Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we have an amazing story for you of a little girl who was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, AML, two years ago. AML is a cancer of the myeloid line of blood cells characterized by the rapid growth of abnormal cells that build up in the bone marrow and blood and interfere with normal cell production. One of the symptoms is an increased risk of infection that may spread to the brain. AML progresses rapidly and is typically fatal within weeks or months if left untreated. And joining us from the UK is Luna, who does not want her last name used, to talk about her daughter, River. Luna, thanks very much. How are you coping with what you've been through over the last couple of years? Um, it's been a difficult one, very difficult, and generally I've tried not to think about things too much. <laughs> understandably, understandably. Um, Take us back, Luna, to 2019, and tell us what your daughter River was going through at the time, she was 11, that led you to take her to the doctor where she was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. Okay, so it was uh, the beginning was December 2018. Um, she'd gone from being just incredibly healthy, never having a day's sickness in her life. Um, and she just started complaining that she couldn't hear very well. And uh, she started to get lethargic. She was tired. It was very out of character for her. Um, I didn't think too much about it at the time. I just thought, you know, she's coming down with something. Keep an eye on things. Um, and then quite quickly, she started getting a lot of lower back pain. Um, and I took her to the doctors and they just said, no, growing pains, send her home with some ibuprofen. Um, and then literally probably about a week, week two later, she started presenting with these like huge bruises and they literally came out of nowhere and they were very sizable. Um, knowing what I, cause I, I'm a herbalist, so I know quite a lot about certain things and I did start to get very worried. Um, I went back to the doctors and again, there was like, no, don't worry too much about it. And the same, um, about two days later, she was literally, she'd gone from being quite unwell to literally screaming, screaming in pain with the lower back. So um, I went back again and I demanded a blood test at that point. Uh, and on the same day that she'd had the blood test done, uh, six o'clock that evening, they called me and said, you need to go to Sheffield Children's Hospital. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> um, that must have been so, that must have been a hell of a shock for you. It really was. It absolutely floored us. Um, it came out of nowhere. She was the last child in the universe that I would ever have thought could come down with something because she's been she was so healthy and so organically brought up. Um, no vaccines, no medications, no you know childhood illnesses nothing so yeah it was a shock <laughs> so what you goes, what goes through your mind in that moment um 
absolute, complete and total terror. Absolutely, just, just terror. I can't even describe it. It was just like the whole world had just fallen apart around us. You, you can't even think straight at that point at all. You just, oh my God, you know, I'm going to lose my child. That that was what I thought. Was yeah. she diagnosed with the uh, AML at that time when you took her to the hospital? Yeah, literally, we were taken into a side room. Uh, they'd looked at her bloods and apparently it was incredibly apparent just from looking at her bloods. They sent it across to the haematology lab and by the time we got there, they already had the diagnosis. Um, literally within two hours of us being there and we were literally took aside and they sat us down and said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your daughter has leukemia. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened next? Um, yeah, so we were taken to a ward. Um, she wasn't allowed to go home. We had to stay. Um, it was a weekend um, and they'd said that she had to have a series of scans and blood tests done and that she was going to start chemotherapy on the following Monday, which was two days. It, it, that was in two days time, you know, from literally being admitted to the ward. Wow. So you're, you're not getting any time to think or absorb this. It's like full full steam ahead. Oh, full steam ahead. I, I, was, I was pregnant with my son at the time as well, so uh, that, I was already very emotional. <laughs> well, how many uh, rounds of there? chemo did she undergo? So she was supposed to have five rounds of chemotherapy um, over uh, a three-month, a five-month period. Um, and she had her first session... Um, which she really rode. It was it was fine. She, she had no side effects at that point. Uh, the second round, uh, she started to lose her hair, and she started to to feel it. She was tired and, and achy, um, and they held off a third session. Uh, they gave more time in between because um, a, a blood count would, didn't come back up as it was supposed to because there was like six weeks in between mm-hmm. each treatment. Um, and they wanted to wait for a blood count to, to, to come back up, uh, before the third round. And it didn't, it just didn't, it, it was quite a scary time. So she only actually had, thankfully, a fraction of what she should have had. She had like, uh, two full sessions and I think it was about a quarter of the third out of the six that she should have had. Now, later on. In June of 2019, she ended up with a fungal infection. Explain that to us. Yes. So the leukemia had gone into remission and we thought we were going to be home free. Uh, She was going back to clinic and everything was okay. And then in June, uh, towards the end of June, she had this like, like a round circle appeared on her wrist. Um, and when she went back to clinic, I just said, I don't know what this is, you know, can you, you you know, is it something to be concerned about? And at that point there was nothing to be concerned about, we were told. And then over a few days, they started to come up like these little lesions on her skin and they just started to come up all over her body. Uh, and she just didn't feel well. She just wasn't right at all. Um, we ended up bringing her back in to the hospital to have her checked out and, they'd found, uh, they'd done some tests and they'd found that she had this fungal infection. Um, and it turned out it was incredibly rare. Uh, it was something that, you know, they didn't even know how to treat at that point. And they were pulling in 
papers from the States and from all over the world. It was a Fusarium dimerum. Yeah, I'd never I heard remember, of it. Yeah, I remember you contacting me about that and me going, I have the foggiest idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember, Corey. I remember that call. Yeah. I'll forget it. <laughs> <laughs> So you've got a double whammy here. You've got uh, a, an 11-year-old with leukemia, also a fungal infection. And it, it, to me, just listening to your story, it would seem like the fungal infection was the worst thing you could deal with at the moment rather than uh, leukemia. Do I have that right? To be honest, yes. Yes, you are absolutely right. The The leukemia didn't seem such a big deal because, like I say, the, as horrible as the chemotherapy was and as much as I didn't want her to have it, it did its job. It did. It absolutely wrecked the system and left it open to contracting this. Um, and obviously this was something that they were terrified of because they didn't know what to do with it. Um, so, yeah, the, the, it, it was such a situation. She had it systemically um, and they were treating it for it systemically, but then it got into the cerebral fluid and it went to a brain. Um, she ended up with meningitis. Uh, she was left with massive intracranial pressure, which the hospital did not seem to know what to do with, even though we have a part of the hospital that deals with neurosurgery and things like that. Um, so yeah, she lost a sight, uh, uh, two months later, like suddenly, so suddenly, and, um, it left her with hydrocephalus. And she's still uh, blind as well, correct? Yeah, completely. She has, um, uh, she can see light, uh, but that's sadly, that, that's all at this time, yeah. Is there a chance when, that her sight can come back? There is every every possibility. Um, they've left that door open. They They can't even tell me where in the brain that it's affected they thought it was further back in the brain at one point but now after some more tests we've had uh they feel it's more that the optic nerves got squeezed so i i'm still hopeful i will never give up um and they can't really give me a a complete answer to what happened so yeah the jury's out on that one <laughs> when did cannabis come into play here and what kind of role did it play so things went on. I mean, wow, you know, after the June and then obviously she lost her sight in the August, uh, the hydrocephalus became the biggest thing. The fungal infection had spread to her eye. Um, she was having loads and loads and loads of treatment in her eyes. Uh, there was all kinds of things to try and save the eyeball. And then things seemed to get better. Systemically, it seemed to clear. But obviously everything was in the brain at this point. Um, and then in the October, they'd found some lesions which um, had appeared on the MRI scan in the brain and they didn't know what to do with that. And things just gradually got worse and worse. And because of the hydrocephalus, they needed to put a shunt in to um, take off the uh, cerebral fluid, you know, and, and get it back into the body where it should be just to drain away. Um, River's body didn't accept it. And we had three failed shunt operations. Um, a shunt was externalized. And um, things just went down and down and down until we got to um, April in 2020. And they started to have those conversations with me like, you know, she's maxed out on treatment. Um, we're not winning. You know, everything's really, really bad. 
Um, and then it got to the May and they just basically said to me, you know, take her home, get her comfortable. You know, th- this is it. We, 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 we know we're not going to win this. Um, and it was at that point. Um, I had stated to them the day she got diagnosed with AML, if we ever get to a point where you can't help her, there are things that I would want to try. And obviously they remembered that conversation and I reiterated that. Um, and I says, okay, you've done your thing. Um, I'm not giving up, but I have things in my arsenal that I want to try. So that was kind of when I contacted you, I think, Corey, to be fair. Ah, uh, okay. How was River's um, attitude in all of this? Um, we'd really sort of made a bit of an impact with them, I think, because we were treating her with homeopathy um, throughout her treatments. Um, the new, sadly, they some of the um, specialists there were already known to us because we'd had a previous experience with another daughter, not 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 with cancer. It was a different situation. So they knew that we sort of came from an alternative background anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was quite surprised, actually. I wasn't met with the resistance that I thought I would be. And at that point, they were telling me that my girl was going to die. They, they, they couldn't help her. They couldn't do anymore. So I don't think really they, they could say anything else at that point. Um, they just basically said, you know, go home and do what you need to do. And we hope it works. So I was kind of blessed with that, I suppose. So you contacted me and we got her on cannabis. What happened next? Well, wow. Um, River came home uh, that June 2020. Uh, We started treatment. um, And three months passed. And when she came home, she was on 18 different medicines. Uh, I call them medicines. Uh, She was on seven different kinds of pain relief, including fentanyl and um uh, opioids and all these horrible things she was in agony she was a mess when we brought her home she couldn't even raise her head you know she couldn't turn in bed she couldn't do anything we started treatment that june and within six weeks of her being home she was pretty much off all the pain relief uh to start with that that had gone you know i remember taking the fentanyl patch off one day so i'm gonna see how she is and and she was she was pain free you know, pretty much from the start. And it got better and better over that six weeks. Um, By the time September rolled around, um, she had another MRI scan. uh, And we didn't know what they were going to find, obviously. uh, But we got uh, a letter, you know, with the scan results. And they said that it had exponentially reduced. And that was from the June to the September. Did they ask you what you were doing? My consultant, the main consultant that we had, uh, who had been uh, with us at the diagnosis, she was because um, I'd confided in her um, what we were potentially wanting to do, mm-hmm. and she was the only person that actually knew what what we'd done. Um, so there were conversations with other people we couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, people did ask us what we'd been doing, and obviously it was it was a really tough one. So, you know, we've just been just using some supplements. <laughs> supplements, you betcha. Yeah, the best yes. supplement. <laughs> well, I'll never forget that video that you posted after we got River on oil and she started feeling better and she was going, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she was... Oh, she's uh, amazing. Yeah, she was in the hospital for how long? 11 months? 
Um, 11 months. We literally lived as a family um, in accommodation, which was attached to the hospital, and we couldn't leave. We were just there for 11 months. Um, uh, four weeks, I think, at home when my little boy was born, and then we were back in. That was it. And we literally kind of raised him <laughs> on the ward with us. So, yeah, it was a long time. Boy, that's uh, that's tough on a family. That's really tough on a family. We did uh, an interview a couple of weeks ago about a documentary in the U.S. about uh, parents and using cannabis for their children. And one of the things about the documentary that really struck me is how the parents react. And this is something they deal with every single day of their lives. And um, the stress that one must endure as a parent to deal with this, uh, it's got to be overwhelming at times. Oh, it really is. It really is. I mean, I look back now and I still try not to think too much because I think there's potentially an awful lot of emotion and things that I've like literally refused to look at. I think I'd probably break if... I really thought about what had happened. We've always just tried to take every day as it is and just keep trying to take a step forward, even if we've been greeted with three steps back. I, I, I can't really explain it, to be honest. It's just, ooh, no, words you, are very difficult. Yeah, you've just got to push through, don't you? There's no alternative. You do. You do, and we always had to keep morale for river we could never know how poorly she was mm-hmm. we couldn't you know let her slip because if she, i think if she'd have had an inkling she asked me once there was one time that she actually sat there and she says mom she said, i don't want to die and that oh my god <laughs> sorry it makes me really emotional but yeah. um they're the sort of moments that make you spur you on because you have to hold it together for them they can't know because I think if they ever got an inkling, you know, then they, there's always that possibility where they could give in. Um, so we always pushed, always emotionally, you know, every day will get better. You know, we, we will find a way, always keeping a positive spin. Even in the darkest of moments, we, mm-hmm. we always try to do that. Luna, how much cannabis was River taking? Uh, we built it up uh, slowly at first. Um, we were going oral for, you know, when she was in the extreme pain, when we first brought her home, we were going oral. Uh, we, we started like the first day she ever had it actually was in the hospital and we sneaked it to her because <laughs> I wanted to get her started before she came home. Um, and I gave her one drop, literally one drop. And she, for the first time in probably about six months, she literally rolled onto her back and she fell asleep, relaxed. She'd not been able to sleep on her back. She'd been in constantly a fetal position um in anxiety and pain for so long and i just remember she just laid back and she just relaxed and obviously she was blind at this point and she was telling me she could see color and she'd not said that since she lost uh-huh. her sight it was beautiful uh, and i was a and then she, you know she was talking about um just floating and and feeling really nice and I was really concerned because the nurses were around and I'm thinking oh my, <laughs> my god <laughs> you know what they're gonna think. <laughs> I was really paranoid um but she got a constitution up actually quite quite quickly uh, and by the time she was high she uh was having 
two drops rectally in the end when she got home because obviously we'd got the dose increased enough and we didn't want to keep her high and we didn't think that was needed to be fair and we saved the oral doses more for like nighttime so she could sleep uh, and we'd use two rectal doses in the day so we built it up I think it was four drops uh, rectally twice a day and then it was four drops orally um, and we just built it up and built it up and now she has seven drops um, three times a day rectally and that's where we've got to and that's where we keep it um, there are the odd occasion because she does suffer with a lot with anxiety not as much as she used to but it's more frustration because obviously all that time in bed has left her with quite a lot of bone loss so she's like working on learning how to walk again right now um, and obviously a sight loss has really hit her since she's come back into herself so we do on occasions give her like a, a couple of drops already to help her sleep sometimes if she's really really upset she's a real fighter isn't she she is absolutely phenomenal and she's the biggest inspirational person I've ever known. She has come so far from this child who is bedridden to this child who is up and now took a few steps for the first time in over a year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She had um, a first session of hydrotherapy in the pool today. Um, oh, she loved it so much. And she walked the length of the pool twice which was amazing oh my goodness that wow. that is incredible they actually let me catch it on video when i was just welling up at the side of the pool i was like oh my god but she says no she says, it's amazing mom it's amazing less as she came home she was exhausted she like slept for four hours afterwards <laughs> it sounds to me like she is really on the road to recovery and regaining her ability to walk again, I suspect, uh, Luna, correct me if I'm wrong, will come in the weeks and months ahead. And who knows about her eyesight? That may even at some point return. I am very hopeful, darling. And like I say, we will never leave any stone unturned. Um, I use laser treatment on her as well. We use photobiomodulation therapy. Um, which we, we did quite a lot of fundraising and we managed to buy our own. They are quite expensive, but she has daily laser treatments as well. Um, and they're supposed to stimulate uh, neuroplasticity in the brain mm -hmm. uh, and help wire things back. And they're really good for nerves and bringing blood flow back. So we're hope very much hopeful. Yeah. You also, you mentioned at the beginning that you're an herbalist. What sort of herbs does she take? Um... Everything sort of transitioned over her period from when she came home. Um, we started her on, um, oh God, look, I think back now. Oh, let me think. I'm sorry, because, you know, the treatment changes so much. Mm -hmm. um, she's Currently, she takes serapeptase every day uh, to get rid of inflammation right. um, and remove debris. Because I, I do feel that if there's any part of the fungal infection still left in her brain, we wanted to try and shift that. Um, so the serapeptase hopefully does that job for her. Uh, she has a drop of iodine every day. She's on um, high vitamin D now, but she's been on all kinds of things in the past. Um, wow, I'm just trying to think where we were. But the thing is, she's getting healthier uh, and healthier. Oh, absolutely. And we've been able to drop things, you know. There's been things that have been, like, really sort of applicable at the time. And as she's got over that milestone, we've, like, dropped that. We've introduced something else. Uh, we use a lot of tinctures. Uh, she takes hawthorn every day. Um, 
she's on some Chinese herbs as well. We've been running some Chinese herbs with her uh, from a therapist um, near, near us. He's um, he's really good, and he's been doing lots of cleansing with her and 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 trying to sort of um, raise her, her kidney levels and, and and repair certain areas that have been absolutely blasted by all the drugs that she'd been on. So a lot of, a lot of what we do is a lot of cleansing. Luna, yeah. did you think when they um, told you end of the road, did you how confident were you that you could turn this around? Something was really in me at that moment. There was something that was in me so strongly that I didn't believe that it was the end of the road. And I knew we had so many more things that we could try. Um and I was really empowered. I'm, I mean, the meeting that day was just, oh, God, it was horrible. And they were saying all these things to me. And the, the one thing that I remember, one of the head nurses asked me, she says, where would you like River to end her time? And I was like, oh, my God. She says, I'm sorry, I have to ask you this question. And I was like, okay, I'm going to answer this, but you never ask me this question again. I says, River will be at home with us. I says, but it won't be the end of her time. That I remember being really angry with her mm-hmm. for saying that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Good we, we knew that um, cannabis could play a massive part. And if it had been up to me, I wanted her on it while she was on a chemo. Uh, I wanted her on it from the absolute start. Um, but I know what would have happened to me if we'd have done that? You know, I'd have been carted off. I know I would have. And I had other yeah. children. And you it was know, terrifying. Uh, Luna, I, I, of course, was in on that call where we, we got you hooked up with Decent Medicine. And uh, I remember the statement from the woman looking at you and saying, I promise you two things. Your daughter will be happy and she will be pain-free. And we we hit that on what that very first dose we hit that I remember that ever so clearly. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, it really did do what it, it it's supposed to. You know, we've been so blessed. Um, I'd already always had respect for the herb, and I'd used it in in lots of other different ways. Um, so it wasn't my first experience. Um, but in River, obviously, I never knew how well it would do for her. Um, but you know, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that day I contacted you. I so am. You know, we did. We 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 absolutely kicked some bum. We did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> the UK is so backward when it comes to cannabis, isn't it? Yes. It's terribly <laughs> so. Absolutely. There was a Dark pause. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's really in the dark ages. It's uh, it's amazing what this herb can do to improve the health of the population, yet the politicians and even those in the medical community are completely ignorant of it. It's, it's sad, really. I think, I think a lot of it, you know, it's just because there's – they either keep themselves in the dark voluntarily or they just don't know that things exist, even though there's so much paperwork out there and um, medical journals and things, have, you know, everything's been looked at. They know what it does. I mean, things like I wanted to use uh, while she was in hospital, um, just homeopathy or um, essential oils. I had to be passed for essential oils by topically on her. Um it's amazing how clueless the medical profession are. And I think the people on the ground are truly kept in the dark. 
um, I remember speaking to one uh, neurosurgeon uh, and I'd asked him a particular question uh, about seropeptase. And he says, I'm sorry, sir, I can't comment. He says, I only know what my job will allow. And that really struck me. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting statement. Yeah, that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's very true. It's very yeah. true. It was a bit of a shocker. <laughs> okay, Luna, take us uh, six months from now. Where do you think River will be? Well, we have big plans. River has big plans. We, want, um, we are looking into an educational healthcare plan for her, which is actually going through, which would give her additional support to attend an educational situation. Um, she's always been homeschooled, and now that she's older, and obviously she's got to regain learning things in a new way, uh, we are fighting to get her into a really good visually impaired school. So hopefully, you know, September time, she could be taking her first steps out there doing that. Um, And next year, she has plans to go to college and study cooking because she's a little baker and that's what she's always done. And even through this journey, she has never stopped baking um, and she can still crack an egg with one hand. She's amazing. So River has plans. Yeah, she's fully supported. (laughs) Oh, that is so good. That is so good. That's great. So, yeah. Luna, in in wrapping up, what would you like to say to parents out there who um, are dealing with an issue with a child and may be looking to to cannabis as a possible assistance? I would definitely say, and after meeting so many actual parents, the hardest thing ever being an oncology ward is looking at other people's children and going, oh my God, you know, you could be so helped. It doesn't have to be this way. Um, Any parent that is looking or even considering, I'd say, give it a go. Definitely, definitely give it a go. Hand on heart. You, You never know what you can achieve. You know, even with the most horrible terminal situations, uh, like ours, I mean, ours was so unique, but it's worked. So, yeah, open-mindedness. And you got to take care of yourself too, don't you? You have to. You as a parent have to. Uh, I mean, you have to take cannabis once in a while just to chill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I, I used to absolutely love um, a nice little relax. I did. Um, it's just, I, I, yeah, I get too sleepy. So sadly, sadly, <laughs> I don't have any myself anymore because <laughs> I'm going to be on the ball, but I know my day will come. Your you know, maybe when we start school, <laughs> I can have a nice little chill out in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Luna, you, you got anything to last, you know, that you want to say in closing year? Um, no, apart from the fact that Cannabis really does kill cancer and fungus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. It's a it's a marvelous story, and I know it'll just get better and better over the months and years ahead. And it was so nice of you to share the story with our listeners, and we thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Luna. Much appreciated. Oh, blessings. It's been my pleasure, darling. Thank you. Take care. And just a reminder that Cannabis Health Radio is a listener-supported podcast. We have no sponsors, so we rely on the support of listeners to keep us going. 
And if you'd like to make a one-time donation or even a monthly donation for as little as a cup of coffee, please go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and you can make a donation there. For those who have done so, we thank you very much. Don't forget to share our podcast on social media, any social media platform of your choice. And I'd also like to thank Ron Zahar for donating his studio time and Mark in Belgium, who posts our podcasts to YouTube. We thank you both because without your support, we couldn't do this. And you, the listener, we thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.